0: Welcome to the Grace Church Conversations podcast, a weekly resource to help you apply Sunday to Monday. I'm Jared. And I'm Craig. Craig, you're back, and it's it's just a beautiful thing. Not saying I'm, I, I don't miss John and Caleb. Oh, I mean, yes. that was a good time, but... Boy, it's just, it's good to to see you and your face and hear your voice. Well, it is good to be back
1: after uh, traveling for a bit. And uh, I just want to say that on an airplane, I did listen to the podcast last week and I thought it was very good. Uh, I thought Caleb and John, well, you always do a great job, but they were bringing some different content. I thought Caleb and John did really well. And And I love the idea of having a... Uh, having someone in our church that's serving in a ministry. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll do, we've done that a little bit, but we want to do that more, having someone who's serving in the church in a particular ministry share their story. And so just yeah. to hear how John, uh, you know, he's one of the uh, team leaders of our prayer ministry, uh, but to hear the answered prayer of uh, how he had driven by uh, that mosque of the, the uh, praying for Sufi Muslims yeah. and uh, how they all showed up at Alpha. I, I love that. It really encouraged me to be diligent, to keep asking, seeking, knocking. So yeah. That was great. So I loved it. You guys did a wonderful job. Oh, thank you. And I noticed something new.
0: What is it? I don't
1: know if those who listen to this podcast will be able to detect, but we have a new table.
0: We do. It's high tech. It is. It's really a table from the future.
1: It is normally <laughs> we normally the podcast is conducted with Jared and I and, and any uh, various sundry other uh, participants, but we are on a folding plastic table um, because I mean we're all about the sacrifice. This is a low budget. As professional as it sounds, it's a low budget (laughs) presentation and, uh, or a no budget presentation. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) So we've always had one and you've said we need a wood table. And 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 it It looks better. It's more inspirational. It feels more creative, maybe more,
0: uh, conducive to, uh, abstract thoughts.
1: It does. Maybe. And so we're at a wooden table. Can I say where this table came from? Sure. (laughs) This table is, uh, it well, it's your former dining table. It is. It's Jared and it's, Sarah's dining table, but they got a new one, so it's a hand me down. So does she know you brought it here for us to use?
0: Yeah, I, she. I, I asked her if I was allowed to do this. <laughs> I, you know, we don't. Be- before you start donating
1: furniture to the podcast ministry, you probably want to check with your wife.
0: <laughs> yes, absolutely. That is, um, I mean, that's podcast rule number one. Yeah, clear it with uh, the wife. Absolutely. <laughs> No, we, uh, we, we wanted a bigger table so we could have more people uh, over for dinner and whatnot. And this one, I mean, you know, it's nice for you and me to record a podcast, but it's not huge for having dinner or, you know, so we're, we're excited to have, um, a little bit bigger of a table and be able to host more people and whatnot, but. All that means, you know, I wouldn't tell Sarah this. Um, I want her to have a new table, but really the reason why we got that other table yes. was so that we could have this one. For the podcast, for the, the podcast. wooden table. Well, you know, when you said sacrifice, I uh, I've known nothing but sacrifice I, for this podcast. I can tell. It, it no means doubt.
1: everything to me. You'd give us the table <laughs> off your dining room. That's right. <laughs> Very good. Well, there we go. Uh, so, I, I, I would, if you're listening, if you regularly listen to this, you should expect the content to, uh, well, it's going to be in the atmosphere. It's going to be yeah, so much greater. The quality yeah. is going to skyrocket. Its, it's quality is going to be <laughs> because we have a wooden table. No more plastic. Tables. It means all the difference, it really. Does, so <laughs> well, I'm, I'm ready whenever you are because I feel inspired.
0: Uh, yes. All right. Well, let's go ahead and jump in. Uh, so, as a reminder, feel free to send your questions in related to the sermon to 469 573 2920. And uh, we always look forward to getting those and answering them here on the podcast. Uh, and so, Craig, you talked through Matthew seven twelve through fourteen on Sunday, right. um, and so that you were talking through, you know, the uh, the two paths that we can take mm-hmm. in life, and that Jesus is talking about. You know, one is wide but it leads to destruction; another one is narrow but it, it leads to life. Um, and and so, it was really a helpful sermon. And uh, and so, we got a uh, follow-up question and then just thought we could have kind of a cool conversation uh kind of related to the fact that Jesus is really saying you know there is one specific way to me to the father and and so there's kind of an exclusive truth claim there but Mm -hmm. um let's answer this first question first and then we'll kind of get into that discussion afterwards so here it is uh our our first question was this Jesus first tells us, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, but then later reveals in Matthew how following him will be difficult and painful. One statement seems to suggest an easier way of life, and the other suggests the opposite. Can you please explain this? Thanks.
1: Yeah, that's a good question, because it sounds like Jesus is saying two different things. And, uh, you know, always um, context is our friend, and I think it helps us sort of uh, determine how um, not opposite statements, but uh, statements uh, that fit in a different context actually um, sort of seamlessly fit together. I think these two do fit together because I think he's talking about two different things. On the In the context of the Sermon on the Mount, he's talking about the difficulty. Uh, that does come uh, amidst all the blessings, because the first opening statements are blessed are you, you know, Uh, all the blessings that come. But while there can be blessings, there can be difficulties at the same time. So you say you're going to be blessed when you're persecuted, for instance. So walking with him has a measure of difficulty with it. In the Sermon on the Mount, we find that you're going to be, you could be subject to rejection. Uh, You are, uh, you know, having to act against your impulses you have to have mercy on people maybe when you want to be vengeful Uh, maybe you want to judge people but you can't you've got to judge yourself Mm. so those are all sort of difficult sorts of things but the chief of those i think is persecution that following me there's going to be um that you're going to be subject to various means of rejection maybe even from family Friends, mm. so um, I, I think that's the difficult part. Just reading the Sermon on the Mount, you can pick out blessings. It's going to be blessed, but the, you'll be blessed, but there'll be difficulties as well. I think the yoke, the easy yoke, and it's Y O K E. It's uh, not, you know, it's like an egg yolk. Just to be clear, <laughs> Over but it's easy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> my easy yoke. Oh, that's the way I like them. But uh, the uh, my, my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So, in the context on that one. Um, he is inviting people. That's a Matthew eleven Two verses earlier, he says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. So he's already talking to people that are working very hard. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Uh, I'm gentle and lowly of heart and you'll find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. So the context here, if you read before this, is is probably more legalism. Mm. Uh, It has to do with uh, why are people laboring? Why are they heavy laden? Because the Pharisees uh, have required uh, extra Um, you know, sort of extra requirements, extra biblical requirements have made the Christian life so difficult, or or the Jewish life would be for them, but following God so difficult uh, because of the added um, uh, sort of requirements that was placed upon them, the extra biblical laws. And so to follow the Pharisee pathway was to you know, tithe from the, uh, the, you know, from the herbs in your garden is just so detailed. You could take Mm. so many steps on the Sabbath, So you know, what was working and what wasn't. It was just a detailed and to come under that was labor. And what Jesus is saying, my yoke is easy. A yoke is uh, like a wooden harness that were put on two different animals, like two oxen might plow together, both sharing a yoke. Maybe the more mature ox was under one side of the yoke and the more uh, less experienced immature ox was on the next one. And so he sort of guided the other ox and they were yoked together under a wooden, um, harness, I would Mm -hmm. say, And uh, so the Pharisees, if you yoked up with them, you were connected to law, burden, difficulty, uh, discouragement for never doing enough, and this sort of thing. Jesus comes and obeys the law in our place. Jesus comes and forgives uh, our failures and uh, our disobedience to him. And so the yoke of Jesus, uh, it's easy because it is... Uh, we receive forgiveness and new life in Him. We're yoked to Him, and so there's a, there's an ease compared to legalism, mm-hmm. and His burden is light. He is requiring things of us, but by the Holy Spirit, He's empowering us to do what He requires. Yeah. So that's a much lighter burden as opposed to some kind of impossible burden. So the context here is the the freedom that comes by grace versus legalism. Matthew. This is Matthew eleven. Matthew five is Matthew five through seven is. Following Christ is the blessed life, but it comes with a lot of difficulty along the way. And so set set your—everybody um, can be having a party for you following Jesus, so set your expectations accordingly. Yeah, Context, I think, determines the difference.
0: That was good. Yeah, that was—, that was uh, helpful uh, in clarifying that. I could see how that would be confusing to compare those two. Yeah, uh, but that That's was a great question. Yeah, for sure. That was good. Cool. Well, uh, that that was actually our only question, our only text in question. So y'all are dropping the ball this week, guys. Uh, that sounds
1: like a heavy burden, Jared.
0: You know, you're right. I want them to have <laughs> an easy, an easy burden. Yes. You know, Burn what? is light. I'm yes. gonna. My yoke is easy. I'm going to text in all the questions. Yes, there you go. Week. So that, we'll, so no one has to feel the pressure. You'll that's take right. it for That's grace. I'm going to do the work for you people. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, that's good. Well, let's go ahead and jump in on our discussion on just kind of the exclusive claims of Christ yeah. in that passage. Um, and you kind of had an apologetic moment, if I can call it that, on Sunday that I really enjoyed, where you were just talking about the pointing out the obvious that Jesus is making this exclusive truth claim yeah. of saying, Hey, uh, you know, if you go with the crowd, if you go on the, the wide easy way, uh, it's going to lead to destruction. Uh, but life is found in following me for alone. Sure. You know, for he doesn't sure. say, uh, me, uh, and these two other religions right, are right. awesome. It's me or everyone else. So there's, Correct. there's two options. Uh, and you outlined that really, really well for us really helpfully. Um, but I just thought we could ask this question. You know, how do I live out the exclusivity of Christ as outlined in Matthew seven, uh, today in our inclusive society? Yeah,
1: that, uh, that is a, that is a really good question. And, um, and by the way, I, I'm going to take the phrase an apologetic moment and I may introduce, I like that. You said you had an apologetic moment. I may say folks, I would like (laughs) to now share an apologetic
0: moment. We need to start a new podcast called the apologetic (laughs) moment.
1: Well, here it is. Let's have it right now. This is an apologetic apologetic moment. moment. I love that. (laughs) Um, Okay. Um, I think it's a great, I think it's a great question that how, how, you know, how do we do this? How can we um, hold exclusive truth claims, which are not ours, they're Jesus. We're submitting to his Lordship. They're his claims. Uh, But how do we respond to his claims and represent his claims you're asking in in an inclusivistic sort of society. I think one of the problems is this word inclusivity and how do we understand it? So I quoted from a book on Sunday called The Problem of God by Mark Clark. And in that book, uh, he he says a number of helpful things about, uh, well, about a lot of things, but including exclusivity and inclusivity. And I'm just going to read a little quote from it. He says, Our culture assumes that if my beliefs are different or critical of something you do or believe, then we cannot tolerate one another. We mistake cultural pluralism, that is the acceptance and celebration, of different cultures, peoples, races, and religions with metaphysical pluralism. Mm. That is accepting as true all ideas, convictions, and worldviews of those people and religions, cultural pluralism is good and necessary in pluralistic society like ours for sure, but metaphysical pluralism is a disaster. Why? Because all beliefs cannot be true, with fundament- without fundamentally changing what they are. Mm. So I, I think this is most helpful. He's making a distinction. He's saying cultural pluralism. We live in a pluralistic society where there are different cultures pieces people's races and religious beliefs as well and so there's a sense in which we we uh, we stand for the freedom of that kind of uh, diversity for various cultures or races or religions certainly let's go to religions to practice their religion uh, we want them to have that and should stand for them stand uh, with them uh, that they they uh, that we can affirm um, their their freedom uh, to practice their religion, we can affirm them as people, Mm. uh, as image bearers of Christ and love them and respect them without affirming that all their ideas are true. That's metaphysical pluralism and it's impossible. All ideas, there's too many uh, contradictory ideas uh, Mm -hmm. in various religions. So to me, that's a really helpful place to start, that I can be civil and respectful to someone um, without... Uh, agreeing with all their views. and I think this is the danger of our society that you can't say that my view is wrong and yet we can still have a civil uh, dialogue or even a friendship. Mm-hmm. So as a Christian, I should be able someone should be able to say to me, my neighbor should be able to say to me, I do not believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I do not believe <clears throat> the Bible is the Word of God. and I shouldn't at that point say, and end of discussion. We can never, you know, we can never be friends. We can never hang out together. Yeah. Uh, so that's because we live in a culture that is, has cultural pluralism. And you can think that and I can think this. Um, so I think that's important. I would say more than just being, you know, sort of accepting. I think we need to be curious. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think we need to be curious of other people's views. Yeah. Friendly. I think we need to listen uh, and seek to understand Um Because I think we can often mistake sort of associating people, associating with people who have a different belief than I do. I think we can mistake that just because they have a different belief, a different practice as I do. We can mistake my association with them with my agreement or affirmation of those different beliefs and Mm -hmm. practices. But that certainly wasn't Jesus's approach. I mean, if you read, if you go through the New Testament and look at every meal Jesus had, I haven't done this, but if you look at every meal Jesus had, you will find that he ate and drank with people at times that he did not approve of their beliefs. He did not approve uh, of their behaviors. And yet he befriended them and demonstrated uh, love to them. And some of them came to believe in him, um, no doubt because of, what he reflected—that kind mm. of love. So, because Jesus has a um, you know dinner with uh, folks that disagree, doesn't mean he supports prostitution because there's a prostitute at the dinner. Doesn't right. mean he supports cheating people because there's a tax collector at the yeah. dinner. These are notorious people in his society. So sometimes conservative Christians, we're just—if we could. Um, be really honest we're just not good at this we, we easily sometimes sometimes we propagate this kind of us and them mentality um and so the narrow and broad gate says in terms of truth there is uh I don't know if I'd say us and them there is a, a G- Jesus and everybody else I mean there yeah. certainly isn't an us and them you believe in Christ you're his you don't you're not yes there's a wide and narrow gate and I tried to make that clear Sunday there is a sharp there's one way and the other ways are not the way um But we aren't to have an us-and-them attitude relationally, you know. Hmm. Um, You can hold exclusive truth um, without being fearful of others, distrusting others. Uh, Even worse, looking down on others who don't hold our exclusive truth. Um, Exclusive truth shouldn't lead to exclusive relationships. That I only talk to people and like people, you know, that are just like... uh, just like me we're, we're the people that are supposed to be looking at our log instead of everybody else's spec so it's more than a little ironic that we are the people that are known culturally as one of the most judgmental groups of people yeah. you know it's, it, it's not always true people right it's not always accurate right. but there's some truth in it yeah and uh, so anyway we got to walk in love I think that's the important thing
0: yeah that's for sure yeah I I <laughs> When we were talking about this, uh, and you kind of mentioned it on Sunday, I was thinking and remembering uh, at an old job I had, years and years ago, I was working with, uh, I was working alongside a coworker, and they just said, you know, I find, we were talking about religion and, and uh-huh. spirituality and stuff. And, and this person mentioned to me, you know, uh, I find all religions really beautiful in yeah. kind of their own way. And I was just like, that's really interesting. Cause they don't find each other beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> they, they think everyone else is wrong. So. Right. Right. So I, I was just thinking about that. You know, there's an attempt to, uh, to just put everything together and say, it's all good and it's yeah. all beautiful. But what you're doing is you're fundamentally on, you know, you're, you're, uh, undermining the core, uh, fundamentals of those religions in order to say that they're all beautiful. Um, It's really interesting to me to just see how the different truth claims interact and stuff. That's true. And I think that can be even disrespectful
1: (coughs) to the other person's religion. Now, Now, some are not exclusivistic. Some of the more Eastern religions... Uh, wouldn't be as perhaps uh, as uh, exclusive but you know the three major exclusive religions would be yeah. Judaism uh, Christianity and Islam mm-hmm. they're, they're exclusive uh, religions uh, so I don't think I'm respectful uh, ultimately to an Orthodox Jew or to a Muslim Uh, I don't think I'm really respectful of their view to say, oh yeah, we all just believe that we all believe the same thing. I need to let their view dictate what they believe and they they. but I also want to say, hey, we may be different but uh, let's, let's be able to have let's be able to have a relationship and a dialogue and it's Let's don't cut it off because we're, we're different. So I, I think right. this takes a lot of work and creativity, but yeah, I think it's important. I think it's very important that we are seeking to build relationally with others where we can.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, and you mentioned that we should interact with uh, and speak about others of different religions with respect and civility. Uh, so uh, that's definitely difficult at times. So how do we do that? How, how can we be respectful of others that we just outright disagree with on, on really important things, you know, yeah, well, the nature of God, eternity, yeah. <clears throat> the
1: Bible, yeah. um, um, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Uh, there's a book, uh, I'm going to talk about a book again, called uh, Uncommon Civility. Um, I forget the tagline, but it's something like, uh, you know, Christian civility in an, in an uncivil world or something mm. like that. It, it was probably written 20 years plus ago, so it's it's even more relevant now, uh, written by Richard Mao, who's actually, I, I had a class with him in seminary but <clears throat> before this book was written. But he... Um, he talks about he coined he quotes someone else I don't remember who it is but he uses this term called convicted civility mm. uh, and I think that's what we need he makes the point that a lot of especially when we talk about religious ideas um, a lot of very civil people are soft on convictions mm. and we yeah. don't want that I, I'm, I don't think the biblical idea and certainly I'm not advocating that we dumb down our convictions and that we take off the sharp edges of the points uh, that poke from Christianity. I do not want to take off the edges. We actually probably need to sharpen some of those edges, hmm. and points. Um, so sometimes people who are good at Um, at civility are weak at convictions. But the flip side is sometimes the people that are good at convictions are pretty weak at civility. Hmm. Um, Just open up any social media uh, and you will see people who have strong opinions that don't deliver them in a very loving way that considers how it will affect others. So convicted civility says, I want to relate in a respectful civil manner, but I'm not going to check my convictions at the door. And yeah. you know what? I don't want you to check your convictions at the door either. I want to know you. I want to yeah. know what do you really believe? Yeah. Um, so I don't want to sit down with somebody of another faith and just say, oh yeah, well, oh, yeah, that, you know, kind of softened. Jesus says he's the only way. But if they believe that, for instance, um, there is one prophet uh, of God and it is Allah, I want to hear their point of view. I, I, let's be truthful. Tell me what you think. So, yeah. For me, convicted civility means I hold sharp views about the exclusivity of Christ, but I want to communicate with others in a respectful way. You know, and a go-to passage about this would be uh 1 Peter 3, 15. And uh, you know, it says, But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, and strongly, in which honor Christ, the Lord is holy, always mm. being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Always ready to make a defense. So, yeah. you know, in in good truth saturated churches, and I hope we are a truth saturated church, but in a lot of good truth saturated churches where there's a lot of training in apologetics, and we value apologetics, and we teach worldview you know worldview analysis, and know how to deconstruct other people's uh, worldviews, and and we are we are ready to make our defense. Matter of fact, I'm looking for someone to say something so that I can make my defense. Just <laughs> Throw your chin out there on social media, just put your chin out there and let me make a defense and uh, that sort of thing. And we can forget what comes after it. Ready to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason, for the hope that is in you, semicolon. Yet, do it with gentleness and respect. And this is written in a context where, um, you know there is a real opposition there is real opposition to Christianity, and he is basically communicating. Uh, <clears throat> we need to be communicating. We need to be communicating, giving an answer for Christ in an uncompromised way. Yeah. But we need to do it in a way that respects others as image bearers of of God, and uh, gentleness is a fruit of the spirit. Uh, arrogance is not uh, winning a debate, putting people in their place uh, without any kind of relational sensitivity. Um, you know, th- this is this is not what we what we're to do. We're to speak firmly about Christ, but we're to build relationally with people, and and we we owe them uh, owe them respect. You know, so I, I think I think this is so important to realize we're representing Christ, um, and when we speak in a caustic way, yeah. that undermines the truth. Uh-uh, in terms of convicted civility, mm-hmm. if we're marshmallow man uh, or woman, <laughs> we're soft. <laughs> Uh, and we are just want people to like us and don't want to ever stir any kind of, it's all about, you know, well, let's just get along and, uh, you know, I'm going to hide my convictions so that we can have a false sense of unity. Mm. Um, that's, that's not what I'm talking about. Uh, It's both of these. It's ready to give and defend what we believe. Okay. Peter used the word defend, but, um but he also says with gentleness uh, and respect. Yeah. So I think that's important. Um, and I think in these days, I would say, Jared, you didn't really ask this, but I would say 1 Peter's a great book for us in these days because um, there are concerns raised here that really map on to our culture today. I yeah. you know, there's a real sense that culture is moving in a direction morally, uh, politically, techno- technologically. Yeah. That we're moving, uh, you know, in a in, towards a uh, a darker and darker world that will lead to greater uh, resistance uh, to our faith as Christians. Um, I'm not a prophet. I don't play one on the podcast. I don't know <laughs> if that's true or not. I mean, there are certainly some signs, I think, where it's getting darker. There's other other places I would look at, and I'm not sure that's the case. But yeah. but it could be. It certainly could be. But this book talks about how do we act in in that kind of context uh, when we are— and this is the the phrase I just quoted. The verse I just quoted comes out of that. Um, you know, be ready to give a defense. Um you're in an environment, they're marginalized, they're, um, you know, out They're they're being persecuted, mm-hmm. uh, these Gentiles, that yeah. Peter's writing to and be ready to do so, but do so with gentleness and, and respect. So he says, when persecution comes, uh, that doesn't cause us to be, uh, you know, it doesn't say, Hey, well, there's a war going on. We're combative with people, um, in terms of tone, mm-hmm. we may be combative ideologically, but in yeah. terms of tone, you know, um, Gentleness and respect. I mean, two verses earlier, um, who is there to do harm against you if you are zealous for what is good, verse 14, but even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you'll be blessed. Have no fear of them, those who would persecute you, he means, Hmm. have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord is holy. Always be prepared to make a defense. So I think that's a good word for our day. If it does get dark, it is dark. There is persecution. But if it gets darker and darker, um, our hope is to keep building bridges, keep building relationships, ready to make a defense, uh, and known as those who have a compelling life of the love of God being represented.
0: Yeah, Yeah, that's good. Um, uh, You know, there is, kind of to your point of bringing up the whole idea of, you know, uh, the future is getting dark. Yeah. Uh, so that's a scary thing. Maybe, you know, I'm, I'm sure. afraid that things are getting worse. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm tempted to kind of check my convictions at the door. Cause I, you know, I'm kind of afraid to interact sure. with this person or I, maybe I just don't know how, um, maybe you could speak to, you know, it's one thing to interact with someone who's really gentle and really kind and yeah. has different views than you. Yeah. What do you do with maybe someone who's argumentative or, yeah. you know, the the militant atheist or even, yeah. you know, Mormon missionaries who come to your door and you yeah. can say, you know, I'm sure in my faith, but at the same time, I don't have all the answers and I just don't really know how to interact with someone like that. How do I,
1: yeah. how do I do
0: that? How do I deal with a person like that?
1: Yeah, I, I, that certainly is real, you know, that especially the more militant and certainly not all atheists are militant, but some sure. are, some are. And uh, some are militant because of maybe it's not a faith issue, uh, but it can sometimes be a lifestyle issue. I don't like you because you sort of are narrow minded about, you know, know, and so I'm going to push back on you and be hateful and spiteful to you. Maybe it could affect your job in the workplace, the neighbor's sort of surly and unkind because they just don't like you because you identify with Christians and you are one, you know? So mm. I think there can be that sort of thing. So how do you respond in conversation when somebody is um, a little bit more aggressive or rude and doesn't want to have this open kind of dialogue that I'm talking about? Yeah. Um, well, a couple of things. Uh, I, I think one is uh, we're always to, no matter what, we are to act in love towards others and and. And look for a point of identification. They, too, are image bearers of God. Mm-hmm. They, too, have challenges, just like you and I do. Yeah. Um, they may be angry and poking us and militant because of something that's going on in their own lives, you know. Uh, so trying to see them as human and not just someone to be defeated or won over uh, or intimidated by. Yeah, you know. So I think one thing is to try to have a right perspective. I think another thing is to uh, be humble, humility. I mean, if Jesus teaches anything, humility wins the day, right? Jesus is the one who did not answer back and said, "Father, forgive them." I mean, and and you know, three days later, the grave is empty. So humility yeah. did win the day. God empowers, gives grace to the humble. Hmm. So if it's a someone who is challenging you with questions about your beliefs or your behavior. I mean, it is, it, let's say beliefs. I think, you know, three, the three most powerful words sometimes in a, uh, dialogue or I don't know, you know, yeah. boy, you know, I don't know the answer to that, but I, I think it's a fair question and I appreciate that you'd feel comfortable asking me that. And, um, if it's okay with you, I would like to, you know, I'd I like to give that some thought. I'd like to maybe do a little research, talk to one of my friends who knows more about the faith than I do. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't really know the answer to that. Uh, yeah. That's a powerful—that's powerful because powerful it's true. If you don't yeah. know the answer, you don't know the answer. Yeah. Um, and I, I think, you know, uh, ultimately loving them. How many—and how many, and having a long-haul view. How many times have we heard of stories where at first I came at them this way and I came at them that way, but I— I couldn't, I couldn't break down the kindness and the love that they expressed to me. And at the mm-hmm. end of the day, that's, that's what won me over. Maybe Francis Schaeffer said... <laughs> so, I've heard this quote. I don't know who said it. I think I've heard Francis Schaeffer say it, but somebody said, "Love is the ultimate apologetic." That doesn't mean a squishy, soft hug is all we need, and yeah. we don't need doctrine. But it means if if you if you give doctrinal truth about Jesus without accompanying love, you're you're wasting your time, and that the ultimate uh, demonstration that what you say has affected your life is that this truth has made a difference in you. You know, that's, it's hard to argue with someone who sees the truth of Christ has changed who I am. And, uh, yeah. and, and I want to love you. So I think praying for them, loving them, asking others to pray,
0: maybe ask John Shen to pray. Yeah. For his, his two years prayer,
1: his two year prayer seemed to work. Yeah. Know, just right? get
0: the person's address so he can drive by every day. <laughs>
1: if you didn't listen to last week's podcast, that makes no sense. But, yeah. uh, you know, do you know how many prayer requests come in that is pray for my neighbor, pray for my coworker. You know, it's one of the top requests we get. Yeah. So pray, uh, ask for help, um, and uh, and seek to continue, you know, to have a long-term point of view. And I think really, work, look for bridges. Where am I similar to them? I can think of various—I'm going through my mind right now. I can think of various meals I've had with people— uh, both in my house and in a restaurant, with people very who have different views than I do. Yeah. Um, you know, I can think about uh, a couple different uh, gay men that I've uh, that we've had over, or I've had a meal with. I can think about a, a, a committed Muslim leader. I mm-hmm. can think about an atheist uh, friend that I that I've had meals with. And I can think about being with them in those contexts, or just sort of your run of the mill <laughs> unbeliever, uh, being of those and looking for, you know what, let's just talk about our lives for a little bit. Cause there's a lot that is really similar. We both have things we wrestle with and struggle with yeah. in life. I think finding the commonality of, hum, of being a human just builds a bridge instead of just, I do think there's only two ways you're either with Jesus or you're against him. I believe in that binary reality. On the other no, not on the other hand. I believe in that binary reality, and we (laughs) have a lot in common too. Yes, and I think building what's that commonality and coming around that. You know, someone oh they have marriage challenges like I do. May I ask them about their marriage? Oh, they have a dying parent. Mm. Uh, What's that like going for you? Oh, they had a discouragement at work. Um, They had you know trying to understand what are their burdens? What are their uh, hopes and dreams as a uh, human. We, we fear what we don't understand, and yeah. we start to understand somebody a little better no matter how different in mindset they are than we are. We start to understand them better. And uh, I think we that fear of them or that distance from them, um, love uh, sort of melts some of that, and we start to see our common humanity and our common need for a savior. And that's a lot less intimidating when I say, hey, we both just need the Lord. Yeah. Well, that was a really, I gave some long answers, but that was a long answer. No, that was, good. was helpful.
0: that was that was
1: really helpful. Um, you know what I did before the podcast? What did you do? I did not drink coffee, yes. but I feel very amped up. Here's what I did. What did you do? I ate an atomic fireball. There's atomic fireballs in the office left over from the men's conference. Yeah. And I think that atomic fireball fired me up, Jared. Wow. Yeah. Man,
0: I could tell you there was kind of smoke coming out. Was there? You. Yeah. yeah. Once you got I hope I didn't going. burn the new table. No, no, yeah. no, no, no. Okay. It, it's good. It's okay. good.
1: There's but I, I think I just heard a I just heard a like a a, a ding, like a maybe, chime, a chime. Did you get a text? Or maybe I didn't. I didn't. Maybe it was you. Maybe I did. No. I don't know. Maybe time's up. <laughs> I don't know where we are. But I just felt I just felt like I talked a lot and no, a little fast, no, and no. I think it was a. I want to say it wasn't me and my lack of self control, and I want to say it wasn't coffee or caffeine. It was an atomic fireball.
0: (laughs) Great balls of fire. Blame the fireball. Great balls of fire. No worries. No, that was really helpful, and I appreciate you taking the time to kind of expand on... It's a really important topic. It's it's a really important thing to consider for how we interact with others around us because more and more, uh, you know, you kind of brought up the idea of maybe culture is trending away from God. For sure. Or there's that sense... Yeah, I don't
1: doubt that. I mean, I think it is to some degree. I'm just not... Who knows how bad it is and how fast it is, but it's for sure we can point to trends that it's getting worse. Yeah,
0: So, so... so maybe you, you know, the question today is how do I interact with my unbelieving uh, yeah, you know, yeah. neighbor who maybe 10 years ago would have said, you know, sure, I'm a Christian, but now they feel free to say that they're not, you know? Yeah. And maybe so, oppose
1: us for being yeah, a Christian. View yeah. us as a threat.
0: Yeah, exactly. So I, I definitely think this is important and, and everything you shared was really helpful Um, I hope that that was a help to to others who maybe were wondering along those lines.
1: If I could give a preview, we're going to be talking about some of these themes next year. We plan our ministry years. Uh, Our ministry year runs from September to August. So next year, uh, some of the kinds of things we're talking about here are sort of public faith, uh, how we relate with others. How, How does Christianity play out in the marketplace of ideas and in the public square? How do we relate to people that are uh, different? Um, some of the things I kind of referred to here at the end, I, some of that I'm going to be fleshing out and uh, doing some teaching. I think we're going to teach the book of Jonah at one point next year. You know, it, it, cool. it, so we, so when to evaluate, cause one thing we didn't talk about, we'll save it. But one thing we didn't talk about is sometimes it's not civility it's reluctance we're just yeah. reluctant to go to the people who aren't like us and you know what is we need to have God's heart uh yeah. for Nineveh That's good. uh you know whomever uh and um so part of that we'll be talking about some things like that next year so these are some of the things I'm talking about here are things I'm praying about stu- trying to live out but mm-hmm. uh also trying to study and think through so I think some of that we'll cover in next uh, ministry year which I'm really kind of looking forward to
0: all right good well i think that that finishes things up for us and then just looking forward i noticed that the flourish bible studies the women are starting on thursday on that's the, the twenty first, yeah. yeah genesis 1 through 11 yeah um, so that should be good yeah uh, we won't be there but no you no no i will not be there but i just want to you know it's easy for us to plug like the the men's retreat and every or the men's conference uh, you know what? thank you, you for you know, I, I'm looking out. I'm, yeah, I'm looking out. I'm the trying ladies, to.
1: I don't know if it's too late to sign up or not. I don't think so.
0: I mean, okay. I just went on the website and I, I'm not, I didn't try to sign up because, you. you know, I can't, but. <laughs> Uh, I, there's a registration form and everything. Yep. I guess it's twenty five dollars for the for the whole uh, study, but that includes your your course book and, and your everything. Course book so. and I
1: think if you're in Thursday morning, it probably includes your. Uh, I, I shouldn't say includes your chocolate. I, I don't know, but uh, but you're, you get on there and you sign up. Get people in yeah, trouble. Yeah, You, you, you sign. <laughs> I think and maybe an oil change and yeah. uh, no, yeah. that's for the men's. Oh, yeah, so. <laughs> we give you you get a book, an oil change, and a and a teeth cleaning. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. I think uh, I think that yeah, I, I, that would be great. The women's Bible study has been very effective. it's a very effective ministry in the life of the church and you know a lot of the uh, we've had a lot of newer people ladies that are newer to the church and that's been their that's been an on, it's kind of an on-ramping experience for them to build relationships with other ladies and w- what's the that in other words that's where their first friends came from they participated in that and what better way to build a friendship than yeah. around the uh, study and application of God's word so i it's been f- it's a very fruitful ministry in the yeah. life of the church even though i've never <laughs> been a part of a group. I, the testimony. There's I've enough heard. evidence. There's enough yeah, evidence. There's enough I can evidence. say unequivocally. Yes. So. <laughs> I love that. Okay,
0: cool. All right. Well, you guys have a great week. Feel free to text in your questions related to the sermon. Don't forget to do that. And uh, we'll see you next week. Take care. Bye-bye.